Welcome, LA sports fans, to the third episode of LA Courtside. This is a podcast brought to you via the Basketball Podcast Network, and this podcast is dedicated to the Clippers and the Lakers, the two best teams in the Western Conference and the favorites to meet up in the Western Conference Finals. And I'm your host, LA Ray, and I'll be bringing you in-depth analysis on our LA teams throughout the NBA season. I'm going to start off just uh, as an overall view of the Lakers and the Clippers so far this year. We're in a small sample size. Of course, there's only been 10 games played. The Clippers are currently 6-4, which is third in the West Western Conference, and the Lakers are currently 7-3 and tied for first in the Western Conference with, of all teams, the Phoenix Suns, uh, who are a very, very exciting young team, by the way. And my buddy Gerald Bourget of uh, Fellas of Phoenix Podcast, which is also brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, uh, he is definitely very happy about that. So I'm sure he and I will be shooting a few barbs at each other throughout the year um, as the year goes on. But Phoenix is a a pretty, pretty good uh, young basketball team. So far this year, uh, as far as any surprises in this uh, short 10-game season so far, uh, one of them is the Lakers' loss at home to the uh, Spurs a few days ago, 118-109. to 109. And by the way, this, this uh, NBA schedule is kind of wacky. Uh, the Lakers have already played the Spurs three times already. But the latest time they played them, the third time, is where they had the loss. And they just didn't have an answer for LaMarcus Aldridge as he scored 28 points. That included like a three-pointer from the top of the key to beat the 24-second shot clock. LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, he's always been a very good player. Seems may have, uh, maybe he's been forgotten in the last couple of years, but he let the Lakers know that uh, he's still around and he's still a pretty good basketball player. Uh, in that particular game, uh, Dennis Schroeder, he only had six points on three of 11 shooting, and that included uh, being 0 for 3 uh, from three-piece land. So the Lakers are going to have to get uh, better production from uh, Schroeder. Uh, in this episode, I'm going to be focusing on a couple of players from each team uh, to talk about what they've done so far this year. And Schroeder is one of the players that I'll be focusing on. Also, in that particular game, uh, Mark Gasol, he only had four points, uh, didn't play all that well. Uh, Wes Matthews um, started in place of AD in the uh, Chicago Bulls game. He was out against the Bulls with a right abductor strain. Sounds like something that really, really hurts. But uh, I'm sure he'll be okay. But uh, the Lakers did prevail against the Bulls in that particular game. Uh, as far as the Clippers go, um, and as far as surprises go, they split two games with Golden State uh, a few days ago. And, again, with this wacky schedule, they played Golden State back-to-back, and both games were uh, in San Francisco. But the second one was the most uh, disappointing one where uh, the Clippers, they lost a 22-point lead to Golden State in like a five-minute span at the end of the third and beginning of the fourth quarter, and they ended up losing 115-105. to That's a 32-point turnaround. And as we all know, the Clippers, they've lost – uh, eight games by leading leading by 15 or more points. And that's since the beginning of last season and, of course, including the playoffs when they lost uh, unceremoniously to Denver 
after being up three games and one and having double digit leads. And they're they're you know the Clippers are they're six and four. I'm not too worried about them. I'm sure they'll turn things around. Kawhi Leonard uh, he had an interview after uh, one of those games and he just basically said you know we have to change. Now exactly what that means I don't know. We know Kawhi he he really doesn't say much. Uh, some of his interviews uh, they don't have much substance to them uh, and that's pretty much a broad statement but I think we all know that um, Kawhi is, is is kind of looking for uh, a point guard that, that has a more point guard skill set than say Patrick Beverly does and this is nothing against Patrick Beverly but uh, for that statement by Kawhi you know we need we have to change does that mean, is he meaning that uh, the point guard position has to be upgraded? Um, not sure, but um, we'll see how it goes uh, during the, uh, the rest of the year. But um, that definitely was a disappointing loss to Golden State. Now, uh, they shouldn't feel that bad by losing to Golden State, especially when uh, Steph Curry was going off the way he did. Uh, Steph Curry scored, I believe, 38 points, somewhere around there. I mean, he was just hitting unbelievable jump shots and they had like zero answer for him and most you know players in the NBA or most teams in the NBA they they don't have uh, any answer for him either so six and four is not you know that's not a bad start that's not a bad start they're still third in the uh, Western Conference and uh, the Clippers would be fine going forward so as I mentioned though the topic of this particular show though I wanted to focus on a couple of players from each team sort of like a player profile and uh, what they've been doing so far. For the Clippers, I'm going to focus on uh, Paul George and Luke Kennard. And on the Lakers profiles today, on this episode, I'll focus on Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Schroeder. Starting off with Paul George, um, I mentioned in my last uh, podcast, episode two, how Paul George really wants to get uh, that bad taste out of his mouth uh, as far as losing last year to Denver. Uh, as I just mentioned, they lost that 3-1 lead. Everyone knows about that. But in that particular game or, or game seven, Paul George uh, probably played his worst playoff game in his career, as far as I can remember. Uh, he was 4 for 16 from the field. He only had 10 points. And what's worse about that was uh, when Paul George was in the game, uh, the Clippers were a minus 20 in game seven when George was on the floor. And in game six, also uh, the, uh, a game that they lost, the Clippers were minus 23 in game six when Paul George was on the floor. So that's a, a pretty good indictment on the way uh, Paul George was playing in that series. And again, he wants to atone for that uh, this year. He badly wants to win a championship. And I'm sure he is looking forward to playing the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals and, and beating the Lakers to get to the uh, NBA championship against whatever team comes out of the East. Um, right now, he is playing with a, with a high level of confidence. You can kind of see the swag in his game has sort of came back. He's averaging so far this year 24.7 points a game as opposed to last year when he averaged 21.5 points a game. So uh, – his point-per-game output has, uh, has increased somewhat. Uh, rebounds, he's rebounding at a 6.2 clip per game. 
His assist is 5.0 assists per game. That's really, really good for Paul George. I have seen him so far this year actually leading fast breaks, um, leading the Clippers down the floor. And um, he's averaging 1.5 steals a game. Turnovers is 4.2 a game, which is not, not too good, but I'm not too much concerned about that. I'm sure he'll correct that uh, as we go down the line. And, again, he's being more vocal, and I'm wondering if that has a lot to do with the coach, uh, Ty Lu and Ty Lu's influence. Um, as we're well aware, uh, Doc Rivers last year being the coach, uh, maybe Paul George and Doc Rivers were not on the same page. I, I talked at nauseum about the little rift they had at season's end. But you can kind of tell the difference in the offense uh, this year as opposed to last year with Doc Rivers. It's a more free-flowing offense, a little wide open. Serge Ibaka has really helped in that aspect. He's helped open the floor up a lot more to give um, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George a lot more room uh, to work. And, again, Paul George, is, he's playing with a really, really high level of confidence. You, you can actually see it in his face and his body language when he's out on the court, the way he's playing, the, the way he's being more vocal with his teammates. He's becoming – the leader of that team, even more so than Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi, we, we know, is kind of a more subdued, quiet type guy, um, superstar, of course, but um, he doesn't have the, um, the vocal leadership, I believe, that Paul George has. So um, we'll continue to look at that uh, throughout the year. And if Paul George continues to play like this, uh, he can make his way up to, uh, I believe, MVP-type level. And when it comes down to a Western Conference Finals against the Lakers, as we all know, we all L.A. fans know that that's going to happen, uh, it's going to be uh, trouble for the Lakers because I don't see anyone on that Lakers team uh, stopping uh, Paul George the way he's playing right now. So definitely something to look forward to uh, with Paul George uh, having a year that he's having so far. Uh, the next player that I wanted to uh, focus on in this episode is Luke Kennard. Now, if you all have listened to my first two podcasts, uh, you're probably saying, well, L.A. LA Ray, you're not you're not a fan of Luke Kennard. I, you know, I, I definitely want to give Luke Kennard a chance. Uh, yes, I am not that big of a fan, but he plays for the L.A. team. He's now with the Clippers. And as you all know, I love the Clippers. I love the Lakers. I love everything about L.A. So I'll be rooting uh, for Luke Kennard. But with the contract that he signed, uh, four years, $64 million, um, the ROI or return on investment has to be better than what uh, the output that he's given right now. So far, uh, Luke is averaging um, 8.5 points per game. Uh, that's kind of pedestrian for, you know, someone making uh, the dollars that he's making. Last year uh, with the Pistons was his best year at 15 points per game. Um, but that's playing with a, a bad basketball team. Um, right now, he's with a much better team, of course. And I'm wondering if that has anything to do with it. The contract that he signed uh, for $64 million and uh, the Lakers being, I'm sorry, the Clippers being favorites uh, to at least make it to the Western Conference Finals. So I'm wondering if, if there's any pressure being put on Luke Kennard to uh, have much better output on this basketball team because they're going to need him down the stretch. They're going to need his shooting uh, from the outside, which he definitely can do. Um, he's only averaging three rebounds per game. He hasn't, you know, been a huge 
a rebounder in his career. Uh, so far, only 1.7 assists per game. Now, he's averaging 23 minutes a game, though, so he's getting, he's getting playing time. Um, the last game against Golden State, the 116-113 loss, he played like 38 minutes in that particular game. I believe he started in that game, too. But he was only 3 of 10 uh, from the field with three turnovers. And, and then in the next two games against Golden State, he only played 19 and 18 minutes, respectively. So does that mean that uh, the, the, the coaching staff is uh, losing a little confidence in Luke Kennard? Um, I hope that's not the case because, again, we're only 10 games into this uh, season so far. So I expect Luke Kennard to play better than he's been playing. You know, maybe so, uh, so far as a, a confidence level or maybe it's just um, starting to uh, get to know his teammates, you know, where they want the ball, where they want him to be in their offensive sets and things like that. So um, I look for Luke Kennard to, uh, to improve. And I promise I won't be too hard on him moving forward. Um, I will give him the benefit of the doubt. And let's hope that Luke Kennard's uh, play improves because, again, the Clippers really, really are going to, uh, to need him. I think uh, that Ty Lue influence, again, is going to help him once the season progresses and uh, he gets more familiar with his teammates, that uh, more open style of play is um, uh, really, really good for Luke Kennard. Um, in one of the games against uh, Golden State, uh, Luke Kennard, he, he cut to the basket and uh, he did a pump fake in the lane uh, against one of the Golden State players and, uh, you know, shot a little jumper from the dotted line and, uh, and it was an and one and he completed the three-point play. Those are the kind of things that they're looking for with, uh, with uh, Luke Kennard. You know, he can cut to the basket. Uh, he can make things happen in the lane. Um, the secondary break um, on the wing, you know, he can uh, pull up and uh, shoot the three-piece. And uh, he can make that shot with some consistency. So, again, um, looking for uh, better results from, uh, from uh, Luke Kennard moving forward. Next segment that uh, I'm going to talk about is uh, a couple of players from the L.A. Lakers. But first, let me give you a little bit of this. with our old school music theme from L.A. Courtside. That is a song by the name of Up In Here by the Barcades from back in the day. And by the way, that intro song, I'm sure most of you are aware of that song. I've definitely heard that. It's Like That by Run DMC. So the L.A. Lakers, let's focus on a couple of players so far in this young 10-game season to see how they're doing. And the first one I'll talk about is Montrez Harrell. Now, again, if you all have listened to my promo, episode one, episode two, Montrez Harrell's name has been mentioned in all of these episodes. Um, I don't know if that's by design, but he's going to be a very, very integral part of the Lakers' uh, success. And uh, so far this year, it's just as far as a couple of stats, he's averaging 12.6 points per game, which is fourth on the team. But Trez's contribution to the Lakers would be measured 
much more than just his uh, points per game. Um, it's the toughness that he brings to the Lakers. I, you know, the Lakers are more of a, I would say more of a finesse type team. Um, but Trez brings them some toughness that they that they will definitely need moving forward. Um, his he's averaging eight rebounds per game, but he's shooting sixty percent from the field, and he gets a lot of his points down in the paint, down in the dotted circle area. He's very very good at uh, doing those jump hook shots in the lane. He fills the lane up uh, on fast break opportunities that the Lakers may have. One of the more interesting stats uh, that Trez has is uh, he only averages like two fouls per game. And a guy that plays as aggressively as he does, uh, that is pretty good to only average two fouls per game. And um, another stat, quick stat is his player efficiency rating. This is one of those ratings where I'm not sure who came up with this rating. Um, you know, maybe some guy from Harvard or Yale or something like that. It's kind of interesting, though. It's uh, it's called a player efficiency rating, and his rating is 21.49, which is third on the team. And basically that type of rating, they just have the uh, add up the points, the rebounds, assists, the blocks, and so on and so forth, et cetera, et cetera. And then they divide it by the number of games. And uh, it, it kind of just shows how efficient players are. So he's third on the team behind uh, who else? LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And uh, Trez, he really, really wants badly to win uh, a championship. And he definitely wants to meet the Clippers in the Western Conference Finals. Again, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I mean, you know, wouldn't that be juicy to see a seven-game series with the Clippers and the Lakers? And uh, that's what we're shooting for, us L.A. fans. We're going to see that at the end of the year. Lakers, Clips, same arena. Fans hopefully will be packed because the COVID-19 pandemic will be over and we'll be able to see that. Uh, Trez's best game so far was against uh, recently against Chicago where he had 17 points, 14 rebounds, 3 of 3 at the free throw line, and he shot 53.8% from the field. So he is giving the Lakers exactly what they need. You know, he comes off the bench and um, he gives him a spark. He doesn't back down from anybody, and uh, he gives 110% every time he's on the floor. So uh, he, again, will be an integral part of the uh, Lakers' success uh, moving forward, and I'm definitely looking forward to him playing the Clippers uh, again. Not sure off the top of my head how many times they play. I'm sure they'll play a few more times. Again, with this wacky NBA schedule um, where they're only playing 72 games, you know, hopefully – you know, they'll play a Lakers, the Lakers and the Clippers, I'm sorry, will play uh, many, many more times in a regular season. And we can see them go head-to-head. So that would be a wonderful, wonderful thing to watch. Uh, this next player, Dennis Schroeder. And again, going to be an integral part of the Lakers' success moving uh, down the line here. And I think Dennis uh, Schroeder is uh, still getting acclimated to uh, his teammates. He doesn't have to score as many points as he did last year with uh, OKC, where he averaged 18.9 points per game with OKC. This year, he's averaging 14.9, so his points per game production um, has decreased, but um, obviously that was to be expected. You know, you're not going to average 18 or 19 points with LeBron and AD on the team, but that's okay. 
as long as he's efficient, as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, you know, as long as he takes his shots when they're there, continue to drive to the basket, which he does with reckless abandon, and, uh, and just play his game. He's averaging four rebounds per game. That's, you know, not bad for a, uh, for a point guard. 4.8 assists per game. That's a stat I'll be looking at the rest uh, between now and the rest of the season. Last year, he averaged four assists per game. So it's expected that his um, assist rate increases this year with players like Anthony Davis and LeBron James on the team. Uh, as far as his field goal percentage, he's shooting 43.2%. I'm looking for that also to uh, get better. Last year, it, his uh, field goal percentage was 46.9%. So um, looking forward to some improvement in uh, Schroeder's game in that aspect. Three-point shooting, 34.3%. That's okay, but uh, also looking for that to get better. So there's room for improvement for Schroeder. I think, he's again, he's just – you know, finding his way on this team. He came off the bench for most of his uh, career. Again, you know, last year he he came in second in the uh, sixth man of the year, you know, behind his uh, current teammate, Montrez. There's that name again. Um, so now he's the starting point guard. And, you know, with that comes a lot of expectation being the starting point guard for the L.A. Lakers and a team that has LeBron and Anthony Davis on it and a team that's expected to make it to the Western Conference Finals and possibly win a second straight NBA championship. So there's a little pressure there on uh, Dennis Schroeder uh, in terms of being the starting point guard uh, with the Lakers. His best game so far was also against Chicago, where he scored 17 points, had six assists, uh, a couple of steals. He did have four turnovers in that game, though. So, again, as I mentioned, um, that's something that uh, going to be looking at between now and the end of the year. He needs to cut down on those turnovers, which I'm sure he will once he gets acclimated to um, all the players on the on the Lakers team where they like the basketball and things like that. So he's still feeling his way uh, with the Lakers, and I don't see any issues with Dennis Schroeder uh, down the line. Uh, again, maybe there is some little pressure by being a Lakers starting point guard and you know on a championship team, but Dennis Schroeder has been in the league for seven years now, and you know, all the times that I've seen him play, you know, before he even came to the Lakers, he doesn't, this kid doesn't lack any confidence at all. He doesn't lack uh, any confidence. He, he will, he will go in a lane. He doesn't care who's down there. Um, he has that little swag to him when he plays. So the confidence level is there. Again, it's just a matter of getting acclimated to, uh, to his teammates. So I think he'll be fine. My next segment is Around the NBA, where I talk a little bit about uh, other teams or other players and, and what's going on in the NBA. As this NBA on NBC song plays in the background. Boy, you have to love that. The game that I want to briefly talk about, of course, was the game that was uh, played this past Friday between the Charlotte Hornets, and the New Orleans Pelicans. Ball versus ball, baby. That was a much-anticipated game, and I believe that it's going to be that way throughout the year, uh, especially if these two teams play. I'm not sure how many times they play, maybe not that many times. But i tell you one thing, Charlotte uh, is going to become must-watch TV simply because of mellow ball. So if any of you saw that game on Friday – 
the Hornets uh, beat the Pelicans 118 to 110. It's a very, very good basketball game. Actually, the Hornets were down by 16 points, I believe, or something like that at the end of the first quarter. And uh, they came back and won that game. But the show, or what everyone really wanted to see, was the Ball Brothers playing against each other for the first time. It's the first time in NBA history that two brothers that were both picked in the top five of the NBA draft went up against each other. And uh, if you want my humble opinion, or if you don't want my opinion, I'm going to give it to you anyway. And uh, that is uh, Mellow Ball. And, it, it, you know, there's a lot more that's going to happen in their careers, of course. But to me, I believe he's going to be the better ball player. That's one of the um, things that their father, LeVar Ball, I believe, got correct. One of the only things that he got correct was that when he said he believed Mello was going to be the best basketball player of the three brothers. And I really believe that in that particular game, uh, Mello scored. He nearly scored a triple-double with uh, 12 points, 10 rebounds, and nine assists. He was only one assist away from a a triple-double where he would have become, at that point, the youngest player in NBA history to get a triple-double in that particular game. And uh, I'll expand on that in a second. Uh, His brother, big brother Lonzo, he had five points, three assists, two rebounds, one block, one steal. Uh, Sort of pedestrian numbers uh, for Lonzo, but definitely Melo had the better basketball game in that particular uh, matchup. Now, what kind of stood out there was obviously uh, Melo, the little brother, is a much more aggressive basketball player, much more aggressive than Lonzo is. I remember when Lonzo first came into the league and uh, with the Lakers, and he wasn't playing that well. And uh, Stephen A. Smith used to always say he needs to be more aggressive. You know, he, he sort of acquiesced a little bit too much uh, with his teammates, you know, given the uh, talent that he has. And he is a talented player, don't get me wrong. Alonzo Ball can, you know, play basketball. He's a talented player. But he needs to be a little bit more aggressive. And it still seems like he um, he defers a lot to his teammates. Now he plays on a very good team with, uh, of course, with Zion, uh, Ingram, and, and some more players. But um, he can be a little bit more aggressive. His younger brother, uh, there's no shame to his game. He is very, very aggressive out there. And he has a real flair, real flair to his game, of course. And his confidence level just really shows every time he's on the floor. You know, there was a a huge anticipation with him coming into the league and, um, you know, how well he would play, um, you know, based on his uh, high school career. You know, they fed him the ball or let him shoot the ball probably 100 times a game, shot it from half court any time that he wanted to. Uh, you know, he didn't play college basketball. He went over to Lithuania, and uh, he was doing his thing over there. And he also played for the Spire um, a basketball team in Ohio, which was a pretty loaded, uh, uh, almost like an AAU type of basketball team. But um, guy has a real flair to his game. His confidence level is, is just off the charts. So now that he's in the NBA and uh, he's showing what he can do, and he, slowly but surely – He's starting to um, to gain the uh, confidence of his teammates and gain respect throughout the league. Uh, you know, this is one of those kids that kids that you know when you see the highlight, the NBA highlights, you're waiting to see something from uh, Mellow Ball. And then speaking of um, triple doubles, a couple of games after that, 
he did become the youngest player in uh, NBA history to record a uh, triple-double when he did so against the Atlanta Hawks. Um, in that particular game, though, against his brother Lonzo, they were not guarding each other for much of the game. But there was one point where uh, Lonzo was on him and his little brother Melo just uh, stepped back and just shot up this three-point piece, just this nasty step-back three-point piece right in Lonzo's mug, swished straight through the nets. Um, so that was really, really fun to watch. So um, for the rest of this year, you know, I'll be watching that, you know, the two brothers uh, play and uh, just try to dissect uh, their games and things like that. But in my opinion, I think obviously it's obvious that in the long run, you know, barring any injuries or anything like that, um, Melo is going to be uh, the better basketball player. Right now he's uh, coming off the bench uh, for the Charlotte Hornets, and uh, Terry Rozier is actually the starter, and he's averaging around 20 points per game. There's already rumblings across the NBA. I'm not sure about internally with the Charlotte Hornets, but – there's a lot of people in the NBA who would like to see Melo starting right now. And, um, you know, you, you really can't justify putting Terry Rozier on the bench uh, because of the way Melo is playing. You know, Rozier is a veteran. And Charlotte doesn't have a bad basketball team. They're, they're a pretty decent young team. But Terry Rozier is playing really, really well right now. And there's no need to have Melo uh, starting, you know, unless you want to put both of them on the floor at some point at the same time. So at the very least, though, maybe, you know, Terry Rozier can be used as a uh, trade bait uh, to someone. How about this? Maybe to the Clippers or something like that. Um, you know, people think the Clippers still need a point guard. Terry Rozier, you know, he's that type of guy. So maybe that's a possibility down the line. But right now, uh, I think Charlotte is good by having uh, Melo come off the bench. And uh, people are watching. You know, when when COVID is over, I'm sure people are going to be going to the Charlotte games just to see this kid play. He is really, really dynamic. So um, looking forward to watching him play uh, between now and the rest of the year. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode number three. Thank you all for joining me on the L.A. Courtside podcast brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network. And I'll be looking forward to my next episode which is episode four which will be dropped on thursday so uh appreciate you all joining me and uh before i end i'd just like to give uh, a few shout outs while we're listening to jam master j by run dmc from back in the day i'd like to give a shout out to my fellow clipper holics writers at fansided.com also the basketball podcast network producers aisha jerome and dylan kaiser also give a shout out to my son Jay West, singer, writer and producer if you want new beats, hit up Kyle on Instagram with the handle at Jay West Entertainment Jay West is spelled J-E-I-W-E-S Entertainment also you can follow me L.A. Ray on Twitter at L.A. Ray Sports and also follow this podcast at L.A. Courtside Pod and again, thank you all for listening in to this episode number three. Looking forward to episode number four. As I close this podcast out, peace. <laughs>